You're listening to The Dirt on Dating with your host, Noah Scott. Whether you're on the prowl or spicing up your relationship, we've got the dirt to help you find success in today's digital dating world. Welcome to this episode of The Dirt on Dating Show. I'm Noah, and today we're going to take a glimpse into what it's like to date Tom. Tom is a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tom is a stand-up comedian. He hosts the Tom Kelly Show. So tell us about the the show, uh, and also just tell us about your dating life. Are you single? Are you, you in a relationship? Actually, you know, why not? Why don't I promote myself first? You know what? God damn it, I will. Because actually, I think the podcast I'm doing relates a little bit to what you're doing. First, I have uh, I'm a stand-up comic, and just like every other stand-up comic in the world. Nobody knows where the hell they're going to be performing for the next six months to two years. My doctor just told me he thinks that the world doesn't get better till January 2022. So there you go. That's me shooting myself in the head for those of you listening in audio. (laughs) And during that time, I've been putting more of my video clips on my YouTube channel, TomKellyShow.com and the Tom Kelly Show on YouTube and all that. And then I started doing a podcast with a celebrity wedding planner. His name is Mikey Russo. He's planned the weddings of celebrities like Robert Hershevik, and he's planned parties, I believe, for Rihanna. I could be screwing that one up. He's done a lot for all three Jonas Brothers, and then he's done a lot of weddings for people from The View and from people from Fox News and a lot of those Dancing with the Stars and Bachelor types. He just did a wedding for The Bachelorette. And the gimmick was I used to own a website and still have it, I IHateWeddings.com. And, <laughs> and he is a celebrity wedding planner and the two of us would have clashes about wedding etiquette. And then the pandemic started coming and I won the podcast. The gimmick was going to be, he loves weddings. I hate them. And now weddings are ruined. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And I feel like the evil villain. And suddenly everything that I used to love about a wedding and everything I used to advocate for a wedding, that it be small, you're putting your money in the bank, go buy a house, is suddenly the thing to do. And my poor friend, the celebrity wedding planner, is unemployed and looking for work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it will be funny, except for the fact that I also am hurting for cash myself. Isn't that the way? Isn't that the way that it's just the irony of that's it all? Why, that's what it is now. Comedians everywhere. We're podcasting for spare change. There we go. There we go. So t- let's talk about your dating life. Are you? Do you have a? Do you have a partner? Are you on the prowl? Like, what, I what does it look like? Myself as a non-practicing heterosexual. And as my choices get fewer and fewer in my old age, I now just describe myself as non-practicing. Take us to a, take us to a story of a time when you were in your heyday and you were practicing. <laughs> Tell us a, a story of a wild date. Yeah. Oh, wild dates. So I guess that one thing I was trying to get a sense of out of your notes is where are you going with this podcast? Where are you going shows? Because I've been, uh, some people call it terminally single. Some people call it a serial dater. I call myself as somebody who obsesses over unavailable women, or I'm a crushaholic is one cute way to put it. Other people might call me a stalker, but no, but I obsess. Uh, Like it'll be one of those, I'll fall in love. I fall in love once or twice a year, and then it takes a year to get over it. In my heyday of dating, always found the bad dates so much more memorable than the good dates that actually led to relationships. And that is something my therapist says I need to. So um, like you were talking about good dates, that's such a broad question. I've had a lot of great dates and I find the bad ones make for the better stories. Uh, 
like the time, oh, my favorite worst date story is from early in my dating career. My friend's now ex-wife set me up with her friend who was suing Wheel of Fortune. And she felt because I'm a comedian and I work in TV, I would get along well with a woman who had a beef with Pat Sajak, arguably the nicest and most vanilla man on television between seven and eight. Take that, Trebek, you controversial bastard. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is also before Sajak was even uh, espousing his quarantine fears and Republican views. This was like total vanilla toast Sajak. She hated him. And I forget why they were suing. It might have been one of those things is, is why a vowel and could you buy a why? It was something stupid like that. And the whole date was, that son of a bitch, Sajak, I'll get him. And it was like so dark that I really felt like if Sajak turned up dead the next day, it would have been her. Wow. Have you had a second day with her? No. And, and eventually, not only was there not a second date, but I was no longer allowed to talk about said bad date because it was an argument, not just between me and my buddy's ex-wife, but becoming a fight with my buddy and his ex-wife. Here's uh. something you can learn about dating. You don't know what people think of you until they try to set you up on a date. And I admit I'm deluded, but in my head, I'm a solid seven and a half, like a solid C plus. And you don't realize who you are until you get set up with your friends. In my own world, I'm Brad Pitt and I deserve my own Jennifer Aniston, okay? In reality, my friends think I'm a Gilbert Gottfried who deserves a Kathy Griffin. There's a there's actually a dating app. I've got to look it up that does that. It you have, It's like a matchmaker <laughs> app where your friends actually, the, like your friends that are in relationships can swipe for you and set you up on dates. There's a good friend of mine, Jay Keith Van Stratton. He's out by you. Look him up. Brilliant comedian. He's created a few TV shows and game shows. I warmed up, I guess, a theater version of a TV show he was trying to sell where it was just that. It would be three of your friends and one celebrity would try to set you up on a date. And it was like the dating game, except the person who's trying to be set up would be walked off the set. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be set up for a few reasons. I think the most important reason I don't want to be set up is I don't want to burn a reference right. because either I will be so into it and that person will not be into me and it will always be a source of bitterness as I brood and get older, or it goes the other way where that person obsesses over me and I'm the jerk who broke their heart. And then you got to see them at events. Um, like the worst setup story I've ever had was my cousins wanted to set me up with their cousin. And oh. it was like adoptive cousins. Yeah, it was oh. like adoptive cousins. So there was no actual genetic material. You know what I'm saying? There was no chance of the baby having six fingers. The cousins were trying to set me up with their cousin. And nothing says we don't think of you as real family, like saying, hey, go <laughs> F my cousin. And you think about it. And again, it was everybody being sweet. They think I'm a hot mess. And this girl is the sweetest, most beautiful kid on earth. I'm a mess. And I don't want my mess to ruin Christmases for the rest of my life. So mm. I don't want to be set up with any family friends whom I will see at a holiday. And while we're at it, I don't want to see the, any family friends that I might see on uh, events or ever. Actually, I don't want to be set up with anybody 
who is will be on the East Coast for the foreseeable future because there's nothing worse than being taunted by your rejections. I have moved home during pandemic. I still have my I have my apartment, but I live in my neighborhood in the town where I grew up. And a girl who broke my heart bought a house a block away. And it's just, wow, as if it is not shameful enough to be in your childhood bedroom during the end of the world. No, now you got to see the girl who married a better looking guy than you on the rebound two blocks away. I'm sure he doesn't tell better jokes than you. Uh, yeah, his name is Joe Rogan. Her husband's name is Joe Rogan. I'm kidding about that. I'm well, kidding that about would, that. That would make me laugh if that was the case. Tell us a little bit about this dynamic of, as a comedian, telling jokes. What, what does that change in as far as what you look for in a date? Does that make it so as you're dating, it's like they can't keep up with you? Do you get bored? Uh, do you have a, amazing pickup lines? Like, do you practice Tinder to actually come up with some pickup lines? It's tough to date a comedian. I think comedians are hot messes, and I include myself amongst them proudly. Ah. I, I, before the pandemic, was working five days a week on both ends of the candle. I was working in morning television and again late at night, and I did not see myself as the kind of guy with the kind of job that I would set up my sister with. How about that for an honest mm -hmm. answer that I'm telling to a stranger on a podcast? I was not, before the pandemic, the kind of guy I would want a girlfriend to date. Mm -hmm. Now... That does, but as a human being, a sexual human being, and a uh, human being with needs, I did look for girls to date. Who I'm a great first date. I'm a killer first date. I got lively stories. There's nothing better than being on a first date and talking about my wheel of fortune date. Oh my gosh, you're better than her. And and it really affected how what kind of girl I'm looking for. Because I'm not. You're right. I guess I'm not looking for the kind of girl I would marry except for the times when I am looking for the kind of girl I would marry. Yeah. Earlier, we, we mentioned this thing about going all in and being head over heels for somebody and that dynamic of being super attached and super almost to the point stalkerish. Because uh, it's something that I've been there as well. Like I've had this like crazy obsession and I get this the anxious attachment style where it's like if somebody starts to leave, then I'm, I, uh, I go crazy. And I've had to work, do a lot of work on figuring out like, oh, this is what it means to be codependent and all that stuff. And then the flip side, it sounds like you also have sometimes the tendency to be the opposite end of that, where maybe it's just time to bail out. Why do you think that you have those tendencies? I think I want that which I cannot have. And once I have it, I no longer want it anymore. And I think that is something you'll see amongst comedians. I think that's something that you will see amongst living human beings at all. Like I, I enjoy the chase and not the kill. And I had this poster of great Star Trek quotes hanging on my wall. They were all from Mr. Spock. And one was, having does not provide as much pleasure as wanting. It is not logical, but it is true. Not logical, but and true. And it is, so yeah, I think... If I were diagnosing myself, I would diagnose myself as some form of damaged goods. I'm the dented can at the 99 cent store. And much like a dented can at the 99 cent store, I might give you some mild form of E. coli. Be cautious when buying. That's a, it's a wild. And you, there's also the idea of looking at it through the lens of Wabi Sabi, right? It gives you some character. 
And that's something that's, that's rare. Word, and I'm going to have to trust you on that, Lobby Sabi. I, I used to get all my craft materials at the Lobby Sabi. All right, so let's shift gears now and let's talk about first date adventures. What works really well on a first date for you? I want to feel I'm on an adventure when I'm on a first date. I used to love first dates, the adventure of getting to see somebody new, the adventure of breaking the ice caps of a person's heart and pushing for the makeout session at the end. It's after the first date is where I lose my job skills. I think that's the right way to say it. There's the energy of, I would like to potentially, because you know what it is? When I go on a first date, I go in with expectations or hope. I don't waste my time anymore. I'd rather Netflix and go to bed early than have a bad first date. Mm -hmm. And as I get older, my tolerance for risk has dropped. But when I'm willing to go on a first date, man, there's that the thing of, are they going to ditch you? Oh my God, like every little step is a win. You're there. You didn't say anything racist during the appetizer. You ordered a nice drink. Those sort of things make it an adventure. I think I had a couple of really bad blind dates a couple of years ago that sort of made me stop trying as hard. And also I felt once I broke 42, my matches on the dating website started dropping off because I'm no longer in the Build-A-Bear zone. Do you have a, do you, so you, you change your preferences? Do you ever feel like you, it's time to go for the girls that are looking for like daddy types now? Oh, no, that bold question for a man who's known me for six minutes on Zoom. I am, and I feel like you're stealing a joke I've told. Is that where, did I lead you on with that one? Does that lead you to a joke? I have been joking with my friends that I'm now at the age of 44. I am willing to skip my first wife and go straight to my second. The only way, and the problem is the only way a girl in her 20s dates a man my age is if she's looking for a sugar daddy. And as a underemployed stand-up comic, at best, I will be a Splenda daddy. Splenda daddy? You know, I love Splenda that one. daddy. Almost that's as a... fulfilling may cause cancer. I think that's a good hashtag. It's at the very least in a good tagline on my Bumble. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. But I think there's also too, and I think the hard part you want, if I'm being going to be real and deep for a second, the hard part about this age of digital swiping for men my age is the internet will show you all of these beautiful 20-something-year-old women who will not know you're alive if you're in the same room as them. But when mm-hmm. you're alone and you're swiping on your phone, there is the delusion of you can, you, can get the, you can hook up with them. There's a delusion of 23 single needs help paying off her loans wants you. The reality is she doesn't need to pay her loans that bad. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So if there's anything that you, you would, I'm 37. So I'm, okay. I'm you're in this weird. Into a, no, you're aging into a weird bracket of yeah. right now. My peak dating years were probably 35 to 43. Mm-hmm. And I say that because, or 35 to 43. By then I was making money. By 35, I was making, but yeah, by 35, I was making money. By 35, I had a place I liked. By 35, I was comfortable and getting to the top of my game. And, and then I'd say 43, suddenly you're not allowed to be within six feet of women. And I can't tell if half of my dry spell 
is pandemic inspired or just uh, um, losing interest. And I wouldn't argue, and I would argue, I have. I've lost a little bit of will to play the game. If you could change you know? anything about the game, what would that be? If you had like a magic wand and, and you could say, you know, I see some problems with the way that America is dating right now. Here are a couple of things I would fix. I think good girls, one thing that made me bitter, and I've tried to make a stand-up joke about it and it never worked. I always found that girls are dumber in their 20s when they're at their hottest. No, and they, you know, but I, I can't tell you how many girls who shot me down in high school and in my 20s who looked me up when I was doing well in my 30s and 40s after their first husband left them. And I might argue you'll see a lot of guys our age who are really now being teenage girls with their dating. They then suddenly leave their good wife who provided a good family for them for the younger model who's now looking for the trophy wife, or maybe they even leave thinking they could get the quote trophy wife or the new model or whatever. And then they end up going back and being hurtful. How would I change the, but you're, that's just a, that's a rambly answer. How would I change the game? I think we would all be better people. It's a good, good answer. Yeah. And make it a lot easier. I, and I don't know how that works. Listen, I, I have been ghosted many times. I think in the long run, I deserve to be ghosted because I then want, if you're a girl who's into me or I'm into and you break my heart or stop showing interest while I'm still interested in you, I suddenly want you to fill out the customer feedback form. Where did I go wrong? What could I have done better? What if I fix that now? It's, I, I, when you break up with me, it's like trying to cancel your cable. What if I gave you 10% off the next five dates? So yeah, yeah, uh, I hear so, you. Oh, I get it. And then on the other end with ghosting, with me ghosting, it's so much easier to stop paying the bill than to just call the cable company and cancel. Yeah, wise words. So as we're working towards wrapping up here, what would be your advice for your younger self when it comes to dating and relationships? Karen Mayorino is going to break your heart. Now, what advice would I give my younger self? To I would surely stop putting certain women on pedestals. If I were giving you advice to my younger self, I would say you asked a powerful question because it's funny. And if I'm being honest and not a comedian for a second, yeah, I'm one of those guys who's in therapy. I'm one of those guys who's trying to be a better person. And if I were sending dating advice back to my 18-year-old self, I would say, learn how to dress better, get a better haircut, and then it would just be care a little less about the people who are not careful with your heart. And as I give myself that advice as a grown to middle-aged man, I still don't know how you apply that advice. I think... And, and the honest of God, if I'm being deep, and whenever I can't be funny, I go for being deep. I'll tell you one real story. Is this our wrap-up story? This will be a wrap-up story. Question. Martini. If this is our wrap-up story. Here's a beautiful story. So uh, about four years ago, I had an, a very good friend who was my college chaplain. He had retired to near where my parents were living on Long Island. And he was basically my college priest. And I would visit him once a month. And then by the end of his life, I would visit him once a week. 
And he was a great man. He was a, the kind of guy who could drop the F-bomb during a homily. He was one of the few Catholic priests I ever met who, who would admit Catholics can sin. He would say, these hands have sinned. And one of the best accomplishments I ever had in my life was being his friend once a week the last year of his life. And he and I had a very folksy relationship. He let me be the comedian. He let me be myself without making me feel judged if I cursed or did anything very human. And one day, and I would even say many days, he would say, Tom, I want you to go find a girlfriend or wife and you need to settle down. And then one day I said, no, what the F are you talking about, Father Lou? You're crazy. If I had found the right girl, I wouldn't be sitting here with you at your bedside. So many other guys and girls who love you, but they can't be with you today because they're taking their kid to soccer practice. They're doing things with the family and they have to be good parents. Me, I'm single. I got the time and I'm going to spend it with you. And I think I told him to shut up. And that's and I told a dying priest to shut up. Yes, yeah, so let's put that in the book too. But when he passed and he died on Father's Day, I believe 2016, for a few weeks after, I had this almost divine feeling or energy inside that I was where I was supposed to be in life, that every girl who shot me down, every job I didn't get that didn't work out, it all led me to six months of being able to be a good person to a man who gave his life up for God and didn't have any family left to take care of him. And my only regret from that time is I don't quite have that feeling or that feeling of purpose now. I had it a little bit when my grandmother died two years ago, but I I would tell my younger self and I would tell your listeners now who are struggling with dating, do your best, keep an open heart, but maybe you're where you're supposed to be and don't stress. And as a comedian, all of the bad stories, and I'm talking about the girl who revealed she was racist after the appetizer and the main dish was ordered and wouldn't let me cancel the date and take both meals home in a doggy bag, even that date turned out to be a good story. Hmm. And it led to something for me. Yeah. Or the date where, or my fifth date with a girl who I thought was the perfect girl told me she had frozen embryos with the last boyfriend and wanted to use them. That I would have <laughs> taken care of a baby with somebody else's sperm was what she was asking. That's wild. What? Even that bad date, something good came out of it. And that joke and story sat in the freezer, pardon the pun, for two years, but you just laughed at it now. So I would argue there is pain. I would argue that good things will come out of your dating pain. And uh, there's a great quote that has, uh, that I'm just, that I read in a book. It was by a, a Argentinian rabbi and the man who would become Pope Francis. And the quote was from Rabbi Abraham Skorka, I believe was his name. And the line is, you have to hope that today's struggles and suffering is someone else's answers tomorrow. And for me, I hope that today's pain is tomorrow's punchlines. I don't hope I didn't. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's where I'm going. And for right now, during this pandemic, 
you know what? As a single man, as a single man, I think there is no greater sign from God that you are supposed to be single than for God to shut down the world and say, you can't go to a restaurant anywhere and stand within six feet of a stranger. I believe that is God's way of saying, take a breather from dating Tom mm-hmm. Kelly. I'm just sad that God had to shut down the whole world economy to get me to say that out loud. Absolutely. Yeah, there's something very stoic about it. And and this idea of just being present and not having to, to chase and quest. And now we have this opportunity to just be content with where we are and who we are. And, and exactly like now there's like this divine cosmic energy that just says, yo, you just kind of got to deal with it. The cards are what they are. And this is something for a reason. There's a silver lining somewhere. So yeah, very well said. Well, no, and one of the silver linings is, is that I got you to find me on Instagram and invite me to be on your first live broadcast. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I'm grateful that you're going to tell your listeners to listen to my podcast with celebrity wedding planner, Mikey Russo, thesnide.com. T-H-E-S-N-I-D-E dot com. Look for it on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, as I'm sure you already have Noah. And also, find my YouTube channel, TomKellyShow.com. Tom Kelly Show on Twitter. Tom Kelly Show on Instagram. Tom Kelly Show on TikTok. I'm Tom Kelly Show on Venmo. If anybody feels <laughs> the... I won't... I, I'll approve any payment. Uh, yes, I will. Uh, and I'm now taking Bitcoin, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, now yeah, yeah. I love that outro. I've got to, I got to practice one like that. That's really good. This has been a blast. Tom. Thank you for thinking of me, man. And I'll text you on uh, DMs. Thank you, my friend. Perfect, brother. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dirt on Dating Show. We hope you enjoyed the ride. Stay safe. Talk dirty. And we'll see you here tomorrow for another wild dating adventure.